and welcome to episode 16 of the Right for Your Life podcast. Hello, Michael Hurley. Hello, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How's your week been on a scale of 1 to 15? Um, I'm going to go for 14. Why not 15? Because the week's not finished yet. Blimey. That's quite, quite a good answer. You know, I don't want to. You never, you never know what's around the corner. Ian. I, I could go up to a fifteen. There could be some excellent news that comes my way this week that will send it to a fifteen. So I don't want to. I don't want to sell myself short. How about you on on the scale of one to seventy six? And that's quite a large scale to yeah, kind of uh, think about. I, I don't know. Sixty. Sixty. Oh, that's actually in that scale. You're having a much better week than me. Is that true? I'm I terrible no at idea. math. I have no idea, Ian. I'm, I've completely made that up. Welcome to Right for Your Life. <laughs> yeah. The, the numbers anyway, edition. I'm glad you're well. I hope that the uh, content of this podcast is going to nudge you right up to uh, 15 on the uh, happyometer. And um, the content of this uh, podcast is we're going to we're going to be talking about uh, book covers. So um, I've been going through. The process of um, well, I'm, I'm in a very privileged position actually because I've been quite involved in the choice of book cover for uh, A.S. Frangelica, my novel out on the first of September. I may have mentioned that in previous episodes. You have a novel coming out, Ian? Yes, I do. I had no idea. Yes, I do. What's it called again? <laughs> it's called A.S. Frangelica, <laughs> and it's out on the first of September. Excellent. It's actually out on the 1st of August if you want to buy it in digital format. And actually, and this is kind of an exclusive, it's actually uh, available to pre-order now on uh, Amazon. But um, I just haven't really made a song and dance about it because yeah. I haven't got the cover-up on the um, on the uh, my Amazon page. But I am, I'm, I'm there. I'm alive. I'm an actual person on Amazon. You can go and pre-order A.S. Frangelica now if you want to. Um, so yeah, go for it. But it'll uh, that page will look much better when I have a book cover to go with it. Um, and so that's what we're going to be talking about because it's been quite an interesting process. This is something that you wait for, you dream about. You know, being able to have um, uh, first a, a book published, but then what's the cover going to be? It's um, you know, it's quite a big deal, and it's kind of crept up on me. I kind of, I kind of um, somewhere along the way, I kind of forgot about it. And the excitement of it all, and uh, and then it's like, wow, God, I'm going to have my own book cover. So we'll talk about that. You can um, um, only pre-order, I think, the paper copy because I've just done that. Well, maybe uh, let me see actually because I just pre-ordered the paper no, copy. No, maybe I can you're, you're absolutely right, Mike. That's um, I think I may have dis- I may have kind of uh, misdescribed what is actually happening. So on the first of August, A.S. Frangelica will be available in digital format via Amazon and hopefully via the iBook Store. Um, and on the first of September, it will be available in paperback. And uh, but at the moment, you can pre-order the paperback edition, which I have just done. Marvellous. This is terrific go. news. Sale number one. <laughs> well, I think, I think my mum might have already bought it Sale as well. Sale number two. So. Oh, and the, uh, the barber. Was it the barber? Um, no, the, the, the eye barber. doctor. The eye doctor. That was it. That was Sorry, it's in 1960. Yep. <laughs> the barber. No, the, uh, the eye doctor from a couple of weeks ago. Oh, of course. Yes, yes. Um, well, I don't know if he went and actually bought it, but he's, uh, he's he, was certainly, he certainly shows an interest. Bless him. There's my email as well. Just come through, Ian. Oh, fantastic. That warms my heart. There you go. Nine pounds ninety four, including postage and packaging. Indeed. Steel. <laughs> I won't tell you what sort of amount I get from that, but that's One traditional pence. publishing for you. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I'm happy. I'm very happy. 
Um, so the other thing that I'm uh, I, I'm wanting to talk to you about is um, this deal with Amazon and Waterstones. So Waterstones is a is kind of the last remaining high street um, bookshop, I guess, chain of bookshops in the UK, and um, and. Uh, they're great, you know. Everyone likes a, a, a well-stocked Waterstones, um, but they've they've had kind of um, problems, just like the rest of the industry, um, as in lots of other bookshops. And um, they're kind of the last big chain, and they're doing their best to uh, to survive and change and adapt to the new the new world. So they've recently gone into, as I say, on Monday, it was announced that they're going to be in cahoots with Amazon. So. They were good, selling. Good to talk um, about that. The, do you want to talk about it now? Because we've we've sort of given that quite a big intro. Or do you have a? Or will I be upsetting the order of the show? I I don't even I don't even have an Apple Card that anything could upset. So we, okay. we can talk about that now if you want. Yeah, because because say because Waterstones were previously selling Sony e-readers, weren't they? Um, and Sony had their own store. I mean, but they weren't. They were like you could buy them in in the shop. I'm sure I've seen them in Waterstones. But yes, that's that, that is true. You can you can you could buy those, and I, I think you probably still can. I don't know if that's going to be part of the Amazon deal that that's no longer the case. But I think relatively famously, many people reported going into Wardstones and, in fairness, many other bookshops asking about digital uh, about e-readers and and the people behind the counter generally not really knowing uh, much about it yeah, uh, yeah. so they, they, you could buy them but you couldn't really find out much about it and get any kind of informed advice now that might that might well and also uh, like i mean the kindle is kind of like the ipod and the hoover and the kleenex right an e-reader now to 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 the common man i i personally think is probably called a kindle but that that we know them people know them it's a it's a very very popular brand name now um so you know, to not to not stock the Kindle would I think is a bad a bad idea in Waterstones. So it's, I think it's refreshing to see that they're making a very smart business decision um, and maybe relinquishing a little bit of the control that they have over their own book sales. Although I'm sure they've got a nice and tasty deal out of this, but it's it's smart, and you can maybe see why Waterstones, the company left standing, because they're making decisions like this. I mean. Yes, I, 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 it's the, the, part of the problem is they haven't really announced much about the deal. So James Daunt, who took over, uh, he's kind of the new CEO of uh, Wardstones, took over last year, and he was, you know, it was his job to kind of revolutionise the company and revitalise it. And um, that is kind of one way of one way of looking at it. But the other way of looking at it, of course, is. Amazon is by far Waterstones' biggest competitor. In fact, they, you know, they, like you say, they more or less, more or less rule the roost, especially in the UK. I think. I mean, W. A. Smith stocked the Nook, and there was actually reports of uh, Waterstones stocking the Nook. That's what everyone was expecting. And W. H. Or to, Smith or, or to, did the sorry? Kobo too. Um, w. H. Smith stocked the Kobo line of E-Readers. Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Um, and. Um, so that's one way of looking at it, but the other way of looking at it is that uh, yes, Amazon are the biggest competitor. So Waterstones have effectively, by selling Kindles in Waterstones in their shops, they've kind of uh, allowed them to <laughs> potentially just here have all our customers potentially. Because I mean, someone who's never used an e-reader before, they go to Waterstones, they buy an e-reader. 
Jupiter, they leave Waterstones and never go back again. And that could happen in a kind of widespread across There's the country. There's got to be some sort of profit share, like like some sort of model where you know Amazon know if it was bought from Waterstones and Waterstones get a cut because, as you're saying, otherwise. What what sort of mar- mar- the margins that Waterstone would be making on the actual Kindle itself would be next to nothing. There's got well, to be some sort of deal there. There's a there's a fairly limited um, amount of details about this and about how actually it's hard to whether um, Amazon have paid Waterstones in order to sell Kindles in their shops. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they, what they have said is that um, Amazon will, sorry, uh, uh, Wardstones will get a cut when a customer buys an ebook from a Kindle when they use Wardstones Wi-Fi. So, and this ties into hmm. part of um, of the, the kind of strategy. So he's in, in, as part of this announcement. James Dorn was also talking about coffee shops and um, right. and kind of yeah. and, and they're also kind of refurbishing the environment of Wardstones. Well, that's the Barnes and Noble. Um approach isn't it that's how exactly how barnes and noble do it with the nook is, mm. is that you know that they encourage you to come into the store and buy it from the store yeah but i think he's kind of his vision is having he means talked about having digital and physical um sort of book buying um, side by side and this is the best opportunity this is, you know this that you can do both when you go towards stones um and he has this kind of whole scheme with um, the coffee shops and things like that so it sounds to me that he basically wants to turn it into a sexy library where you can actually mm. talk and things like that. Um, ah, he wants a sexy it. library, yes. No, I can see that. I mean, I'm not trying to just extend the joke, but I think that <laughs> is a very smart... To me, that just seems like a smart business model. Well, it's, it, it was a really a joke. I think that's genuinely what yeah. he wants. He wants it to be a place where people go and hang out and read. Um, you don't just go towards Stones to buy a book. You go there to sort of just sit with Maybe yeah, you'll have, read a physical have a, book. Have a cinnamon bun and have a chat book and, and read, uh, get man. paper. He just wants you to be in Woodstones. Yeah. And then and then he can leave it, maybe. you know, and then leaves it up to the staff to sell the products. All he has to do is get the people in the doors. Well, yeah, and I think that I think that is the theory. But um um I don't know, I'll just read you a quote here because there's there was quite a lot of uproar from writers and from publishers um uh, about this just uh, I guess across across the industry really. So it hasn't I mean you're taking quite a positive spin on it and I'm not really sure I'm not sure how to feel about it yet. Um I I, I do think that the idea of getting a cut from the Wi-Fi is kind of ludicrous. I mean who's who, if you're in a physical bookshop then the chances of you wanting to buy something on your Kindle that you happen to have with you, to me, seem extremely limited. The whole point of having um, e-books is that you can buy them at home and you don't have to go to a bookshop in order yeah. to do it. So I'm not convinced about that as a business model, personally. Um, well, here's a from Philip, who's a director. It's a retail consult- at the retail consultancy at front of store. Um, he says, it, it's a huge disappointment. There are, there are alternatives out there. Waterstones falling into the arms of Amazon feels like a victory for Amazon. And then Dana, this is, I'm quoting from the article, Dana said an alternative would have been for publishers to remove software logs called digital rights management, so that's DRM, so the readers could search more readily. Sorry, Ian, we've, we've lost you on the slide there. All gardens and create a diversity of players to compete. So I think they would have to buy a physical, then you automatically get the digital version as well. 
Um, so you basically all you have or you have to do is choose how you read it really where you, where you buy it becomes much more open I think that's kind of what they're getting at there might be wrong um, so um, and and I guess that's that's kind of why people are, are upset it seems like it's it, and part of, of course part of part of this is that the publishing industry generally has animosity towards Amazon because um, they've shook things up so much and they're major if not the kind of only reason really that um so many publishers and bookshops and everything are struggling they kind of led the book with the kindle as a device but also just aggressive pricing and um and they've kind of absolutely cornered the market so they're kind of the biggest threat which is why a lot of people are kind of worried and upset because it feels like they've rather than compete against them they've kind of had either handed over their customers as i described before or kind of got into with the devil Amazon always referred to as the devil in the publishing industry I think it's over yeah. to say the least but um I think I think I have a different so yeah it's very it's a very interesting one interesting so I think I have a different take on it because I'm not in that world as such and as a consumer I I like Amazon because they're convenient for me um and so maybe as well I just see it's personally I just see it as a Waterstones on paper will fail because all of their competitors are disappearing um, mm. because of Amazon. So anything that they try to do to keep themselves alive, in my eyes, is a smart move to make. And yeah, it might not work, but at least they're trying. They're not just sitting on their laurels and saying, bookshops are amazing and people will always want to come here because they love the feel of paper. It's not the way it works, as as has been proven by the fact that there aren't in many other bookshops in the UK, at least at the moment. So that, that's my two cents. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The 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 trend is that people, the companies, the bookshops, that it's all sort of going down the pan. So they kind of they do have to do something, and that's kind of why they've done this. They have to do something, and um, and, maybe, and maybe we'll work out. Maybe maybe by they're the most popular bookstore by virtue of being the biggest in the UK. The biggest chain one left, so they are kind of, in a way, the def- the and, and Amazon are the de facto place to go to for digital books. So maybe they just want to be the place to go for books, no matter how you, no matter how you want them, no matter how you buy them. It's kind of instead of instead of instead of kind of uh, I don't know instead of thinking about where to go uh you know you always go to wardstones if you want to know about the kindle uh if you want a kindle then you know that you go to wardstones maybe they maybe they do get a cut so maybe instead of people buying kindles in pc world or other places uh like that um maybe they just go straight to wardstones because that's they know that that's where maybe the two brands become synonymous i think is what i'm trying to say but it's very it's really it's really difficult to kind of I struggle to see that just because the whole point of Amazon is that, and, and Kindle is that you need to. You can order it from Amazon. It arrives. You can sit in your living room and never go anywhere again, and you will have all the books that you could possibly want. So um, is it, I don't think there is a particularly right or wrong way of looking at this or a right or wrong answer. It's one of those kinds of – it's a kind of wait-and-see type of thing just to – It'll be interesting to see what what uh, what the deal actually is, and um, and to find out what Waterstones are getting from it, because you have to assume that it's a lot. It's more than just um, a cut of the purchases that are done on their own Wi-Fi. That just seems nuts. 
company. Yeah, you'd like to think that they're potentially smarter than that. Yeah, you would hope, you would hope that they've uh, that it's um, well. I hope that they've got a really bloody good deal from it. That's what I hope. Yeah, because <laughs> I want you know I'd, I'd like Waterstones to stay in business. I like bookshops. I like the Kindle too, and I don't particularly hate Amazon, but I um, I do like bookshops, and you know it would be to see them um, even if it's uh, in a different way. It would be nice to see them uh, thrive again. Yep. So I think that's that. Okay, should we talk about our first sponsor then? I would love you to talk about our sponsor. Yes, this episode is brought to you by Squarespace, everything you need to create an amazing and professional website with unparalleled reliability. So we've spoken a little bit in the past about Squarespace's WYSIWYG editing tools, um, which allow you to make changes to your site and changes to your design just by clicking a couple of buttons, dragging some sliders, changing some colors, and you see it all happen in real time. It's very impressive. But it's something else that I want to talk to you about today, and that's Squarespace's widgets, and they're implemented in very much the same way. So let's say we have a sidebar on the page, and you want to add your Twitter stream to it. So you know, if you want to have on the page showing your last few tweets, well, you can do that. So you would select the button to add a widget, select Twitter from the social widgets, and you can make some changes again if you want to change the colors, you want to change the design, because they have some themes for these too. And if you can make changes like if you wanted avatars to show. So let's say, for example, me and Ian wanted our Twitter streams on the Right for Your Life page, then I could have multiple streams going into that widget. So both mine and Ian's uh, Twitter feeds can go in there. You can make all the changes that you need and implement it straight away. You don't need to worry about any code. It's all drag like drop boxes and everything that you need straight in and you can put it lovely and very pretty into your site there are other widgets like rss widgets search boxes and everything that can be implemented with just a few clicks you should go try this out and you can do this by starting a free trial which we can offer you if you go to squarespace.com forward slash 70 decibels you can sign up for a two-week free trial no obligation no credit card needed and if you sign up for a squarespace plan if you use the offer code 70 decibels 5 which is 70 decibels 5 at checkout you'll get 10% off and this way squarespace know that you found out about them from us and obviously all the information for that will be in the show notes for this episode thank you very much to squarespace thank you indeed so let's talk about your cover sir okay so uh, so yes, I mean I've uh, I'm, I'm very very fortunate. Um, I said I think I said when I announced that I'd got my book deal with Legend Press that um, I was really pleased about it and I thought it was a good fit because um, they're a smaller independent publisher um, and uh, that means that they they're more agile. It means that my book's coming out sooner. It means that um, I've been able to have I guess uh, you know really uh, good input onto you know every every aspect of the book. Um, and so when when I um, when I uh, sort of had my first sort of uh, few meetings and stuff with with the guys at Legend, I uh, talked about um, my pal Jonathan Wilkinson, who also happens to be a fantastic uh, graphic artist and uh, designer, painter, fine artist. He's all sorts of things, um, and uh, he he has a website called We Live Here. Uh, dot co. dot uk, and I say that carefully because if you get that wrong, you will. Uh, I'm going to leave it at that. All right, because I don't want responsibility for what's going to happen. What was the name? I'm not telling you. We live here.co.uk, and you can go to uh, uh, Johnny's site. And basically, he 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 has these. Uh, he's got these sort of beautiful um, kind of prints and and paintings actually 
um, of uh, mainly of buildings, actually, in Sheffield, which is where I live, um, but also other places, sort of iconic buildings. And um, he has a very distinctive style. And I kind of, years ago, I sort of, we talked about the possibility of him doing my book cover if I ever got my book published. And lo and behold, that's what's actually happening. And um, I'm delighted about it. So, um, so that's been fantastic. But of course, um, I've, uh, there's so many elements to, that go into uh, a book cover that um, you know, I kind of hadn't really realised, which is stupid. Of course I'd realised. I knew that there was things like um, a typography, like typography and cover quotes and the blurb and you know, what goes on the spine, all that kind of thing. But I hadn't had to think about it in kind of, well, I hadn't had to think about it in, in terms of my own work, I suppose. Um, so it's been really interesting. And, of course, there's the old saying that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. And I think, Mike, that that's probably one of uh, the only sayings, really, that applies to pretty much everything apart from the object described in the saying itself, which is books. Mm -hmm. Because not judging a book by its cover, that usually means a person. That's how we usually talk about it. So if we see someone, I don't know, it's quite often if you see someone who's um, who appears to be homeless or something like that, that thing, so you don't judge a book by its cover, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to actual books, most people do judge a book by its cover, and the cover really does have an effect on, um, frankly, whether people buy it, and um, and that's really important because, naturally, I want as many people to buy and to read and to hopefully enjoy my book as possible. So the cover is uh, important. It has to stand out from all the other covers. I need to persuade people to buy my book as opposed to buying someone else's book. And the kind of my the shop window for it is the cover, so it's dead important. It really is a competition. You are literally competing against the books that are immediately next to yours on the shelf, um, uh, but also um, you know in the entire store, I guess. So it's been quite it's been quite interesting. I just gave you I just gave you a very sneak preview, didn't I, of the of where we are at with the cover, which was yes. slightly naughty of me, but I couldn't resist because I'm so happy with it. It's very attractive, very attractive indeed. <laughs> There's nothing like an attractive book cover. It's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, it's what you want, isn't it? You want um, to attract people. It is. It is. So I thought I'd just just you know kind of talk about some of the elements of the cover that I thought about because I know that some people listening to this will they may choose to self-publish, in which case they'll kind of be really responsible for it. They may even have to design it themselves. I mean, I would recommend getting a proper designer to do it um, and paying for paying for a designer to design your book cover if that's the position that you're in. Um, but you may not, and you will still have to consider all these things anyway. So, I mean, the first thing is like whether to use an image or whether to use something more abstract. Um, and then you have to think about whether it's like a series of books so is it something that, you, that if you create if you create a book cover, will it translate to another book in the same series? It kind of, I guess, scale, um, I think is the technical term. You have to think about the spine. So what, what goes on the spine? Will it stand out enough? I mean, you know that it's going to be your name and probably the title of your book. But what sort of, you know, how, is it, how does it stand out? What color is it going to be? Will the front cover, will the image or whatever it is that's on the front, will that wrap around the spine and uh, continue on to the back possibly you have to think about the typography how big should your should the lettering be how big should your name be how big should it be in comparison to the image on it or how big should it be in comparison to the title gosh so much to think about already and um, cover quotes of course cover quotes so I've been you know I've been uh, sending off proof copies I say I my publisher legend have been sending off proof copies to uh, authors and other 
reputable people to get them to read it and hopefully they'll say nice things and that will go on the front of the book and maybe the back and maybe the inside and hopefully um, that will help sell the book too. And um, and then, of course, there's uh, there's the blurb on the back. So the blurb, what does that say? Because that's the first thing that you read, isn't it? You look at the front cover, then you flip it around and you read the back to find out if it's going to be interesting to you. And um, and so it's dead important what that actually says, whether it grabs someone or not. And all of this, all of this is actually part of... And then, there's, of course, there's the online shop. So there's Amazon. What does, your, what does the cover of your book look like? If it's tiny, if it's a tiny, tiny little book cover and it's on Amazon, does it still work then or does it look completely ridiculous and not work at all? And there's all the things that uh, I've had going through my head. It sounds like a lot to deal with. It is a lot to deal with. And I don't envy you for it. No, but it's also very exciting. And um, it's very exciting to see your book cover for the first time, what it might be. And it's been really exciting for me to some input into what it's going to be like. Yeah. I'm delighted that uh, Johnny from Wheel Pier, I'm delighted that he's going to be designing it. He's, you know, he's a big deal, especially in Sheffield. Very, very popular. Lots of uh, his prints are kind of everywhere. His really kind of iconic design. And, um, yeah, his stuff goes for lots of money. So I'm very, very privileged to have him do the cover. So that was it, really. It was basically just telling you a, how excited I am, and B, all the things that you have to consider when it comes to um, uh, putting a book together. Yeah. And effectively, the answer to all of those kind of uh, queries and dilemmas is do what is appropriate to the book. So if it's uh, a genre-specific thing, I know a lot of people, for instance, if it's crime, they have a certain kind of style, or if it's a thriller, or if it's, of course, gothic fiction, that kind of thing, you have a very specific style of uh, book cover. So if you're going to, I don't know, if, you, if you've written a a, a crime thriller or something like that and you have a really sort of twee very with very small lettering um, uh, book cover then hey there's probably nothing wrong with that book cover but if people are into crime then they expect to see a crime book cover and if they see your book cover and it doesn't look like a crime thriller book cover then they might walk on past your book so there are good reasons for kind of I guess conforming to stereotypes or conforming to um, I don't know industry norms I guess mm-hmm have you got anything to add on this, Mike, or was this, this particular section basically going to be one of my uh, rants? I haven't, because I've, n- I've never had input in designing a book cover, but it all sounds very interesting. <laughs> That's very kind of you to say. Well, you're writing a book. What about your podcasting book? What's going to go on the front of that? Is it going to be a picture of your mush, so a picture of your great big face on the front of the, uh, of the book, or are you going to have um, a picture of a, a microphone, perhaps? Probably. Or maybe you can have a picture of... Skype logo with a sort of a, a dagger in it where you got so angry with it because of what it's done to this episode of which I apologize for everyone <laughs> for what you may or may not have heard we, you know the Skype quality is with... bad when 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 uh, the host apologizes for it actually in the show yeah because we're, we're dealing with some some technical changes at 70 decibels and unfortunately it does result in us having to iron some things out and some of that is Skype is going to be a little bit of a git from time to time over the next week or two um, to be honest we haven't even really got a name for the book yet we haven't actually decided on a name so that's it's not as important I guess as it is in a novel because yeah, we can be very generic like the A to Z guide of podcasting we can call it that you know, whatever we decide to call it. So, but yes, most probably there will be a microphone 
and a computer on the front of the cover, I reckon. Because we don't need to, I guess, with non-fiction, especially with an instructional guide, we don't maybe shouldn't be as imaginative and maybe want to show people exactly what to expect. But then again, I'm not the expert in this and, and that we do have a, a designer that's part of... Um, you know, Aaron Mankey will probably do the design, who does a lot of design for this network, so um, he will probably take care of that for us and use yeah. his very smart brain. There are two ways of looking at it. One, and I guess this is kind of what I just said, but I do enjoy repeating myself. One way of looking at it is you could try and do something unique, something different, and um, and there's nothing wrong with that. The other way is of looking at it is, as you say, pop a microphone on the front and a computer because it's a it's a book about podcasting, and that's what people expect. So when they see the little little image on Amazon, they can see a they can see a microphone, and they go, "Well, that's that's probably about either a." microphones or be podcasting yep there are reasons for these norms and um and uh, and that's that no more to add i'm going to end that i'm going to end that entire conversation really abruptly like that that's fine we can do that so shall we talk about our second sponsor before we leave before we just drop the microphones and walk away never to come back again hey that's hey hey <laughs> you, i'm not i'm not uh, i can't put that hate on you you don't well, know. the internet get upset when people leave podcasts for no reason. Let's let's move swiftly into our sponsor <laughs> for this week, our second sponsor, which is Pearnote. Uh, throughout this month, we discussed how awesome Pearnote is for taking notes in meetings, lectures, conferences, and more. Pearnote allows you to combine notes with audio, video, and even slide decks, if that's what you like. Whatever you type is kept in sync with your media, allowing you to come back to the app, select a word, and be taken straight to that point of the timeline of the media the audio or video and you can watch it back or listen to it back and see the words you typed highlighted as you type them in real time it is very impressive to see pair note free for mac has recently been upgraded to take advantage of lion features like versions autosave and full screen and also now has the ability to record an even higher bitrate audio and 720p video Additionally, if you own, um, there's a, a software called Ecamm's Call Recorder for Skype. So it's a way that you, it's a plug-in for Skype where you can record the conversation. Um, Pearnote integrates perfectly with this plug-in. So it allows you to, to make the actual recording of the Skype call going to Pearnote. And the notes that you take will sync with that call, which is very important if you're on a meeting. So it could be very useful for you. All of your notes sync over Dropbox to Pearnote for the iPad, so you always have your notes with you no matter where you are. You can get Pearnote from the Mac App Store, the iOS App Store, or directly from UsefulFruit.com, which is where you can go for more information. Thank you very much to Pearnote for sponsoring 70 decibels and Write for Your Life. So, Mr. Broom, I think we have reached that time. Um, I would like to tell each and every one of our listeners that we love them dearly, especially if they've got to the end of this episode. Indeed. Where can, these, where can these people go to find you if they would like to do so? They can find me on Twitter at Ian Broom, I-A-I-N-B-R-O-M-E, or at Right for Life at rightforyourlife.net. And the reason that we have overlapped each other quite a few times on this podcast, too, is because there is a, a minor lag, too. So we apologize for that. Should, should be, that should be a lag at all, really, because we're in the same country, but never mind. Um, you can <laughs> find me on Twitter. I'm iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Right for Your Life podcast. Until next week, bye-bye. Farewell. <laughs>